Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Can we all agree that the people you hire determine the success of your company? It's not enough to just fill a role, especially when you're a smaller company. Every hiring mistake that your company has made is due to your focus on the wrong ego-driven priorities, i.e. the work that needs to be done, what I think I need, and the image of the company. Focus on hiring the who that aligns with the corporate values, and you'll achieve unbelievable results. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We share insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Tim Spiker. He is the founder and president of the Aperio and the Who, Not What Principle, a profound research-based truth that has powered 15 years of leadership development success. Tim's book, The Only Leaders Worth Following, reveals that 77% of leadership effectiveness comes from who a leader is and not what they do. Using this principle, Tim helps people become be and stay leaders who are actually worth following. Tim's works includes delivering keynote talks, creating unique and customized learning experiences, and guiding long-term development journeys, which is what makes Tim the perfect expert for today's topic. Tim, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Rick. Happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. Today, we're going to discuss the advantage of focusing on who before what. We're going to talk about the role that trustworthiness plays into hiring a successful who, and then three steps to hiring the right who now. Sounds like a- Dr. Seuss. Yeah, Dr. Seuss. (laughs) We're doing the Dr. Seuss episode. Right. You and I concur on the fact that you got to hire the right person for each role. And from the leadership all the way down to the janitor, everybody needs to be in alignment, in my eyes, with corporate values. Tell me a little bit about how you came to this conclusion and what the challenge is today for an organization as to why they need to pay attention to who's more important. The story starts with research. I'm an engineer by education, so I love numbers and graphs and that type of thing. And I was working for a boutique consulting firm, and we would take people up to the west side of Pikes Peak, just outside of Colorado Springs here in the center of the U.S., for a series of leadership development activities. And there were three assessments that we were working with them on, and they would ask us, what's the magic mix? What type of personality plus natural ability will yield us the best result? And we were fortunate. We had the data, and so we said, "Let's, let's take a look at it. And my colleague, Vanessa Kiley, she was the number cruncher at the time. So she took all her data and here's what she found. Absolutely nothing. No correlation (laughs) whatsoever between personality, natural ability, and leadership performance. And I turned to go out of her office that night and she said, but the software did find something. I'm like, her? Okay. Well, what did it find? It accidentally found, because we weren't looking in this place, that on our leadership 360, we had eight areas. She found that just two areas were driving 77% of the variability in our assessment. So if you think about a pizza, Rick, any two areas, if you got eight slices of pizza, any two should only be worth 25%. Sure. So we had two areas that were three times larger than they should have been over a number of years and saving all the listeners, all the years of trying to figure out exactly what was going on. We finally stepped back from it and said, you know what? 
Those two areas are about who you are as a person. Other six are about what you do as a leader. Thus, the conclusion that three quarters of your effectiveness as a leader comes from who you are, not what you do. So it becomes really, really important that we work on who we are, that we simply don't just show up and start doing the actions of leadership without looking in the mirror and working on who we are. What's the most important components of what somebody is that makes them a successful leader? Those two big areas that are so critically important are being inwardly sound and others focused. Okay. So what does that mean? So with inwardly sound, you can think through, if you take the idea of sound, think about a vessel, think about a ship that's going to go out into the ocean. What does it mean to have a sound vessel? As you start to think through those qualities, you're like, well, it should be able to take some bad weather without falling apart. It should be able to be not just sound in its connections in terms of how it's held together, but all the boards that make up the whole of that ship, they need to have great integrity. If you just take that idea of something that you can really count on no matter what, because you're in the middle of the ocean, you need to be able to count on that. Now just take that same idea and apply it to a person. Who's the type of person that you can count on no matter what? Who's the person that doesn't get easily flustered or thrown off whenever the storms and challenges come? That is an inwardly sound person. And we trust those people more than people who are easily thrown off their game, easily thrown off kilter, get upset, not emotionally mature, those types of things. That's inwardly sound. Sure. But it seems to me like you have a lot of people that are inwardly sound performers who are very, very good at their job, what they do. But when you put them into a leadership role, they're not. Are we talking about the fundamental root of who a person is? Absolutely. I would suggest that the person who was not in the leadership position and appeared to be more stable, I would suggest that the pressure just hadn't revealed that yet. Got it. I think that that lack of soundness was probably there all along, but we didn't get a chance to see it necessarily until the opportunity to lead came in and then it became more obvious. Then we have others focused. So others focused is why are you leading? Why are you showing up for work in the morning? Is it all about your ego? Is it all about your bank account? Is it all about your next opportunity? Is it so, yeah. money? <laughs> Well, it's not a matter of not wanting to have success in those things. But the question is, if it's all about you as the leader, then you're ultimately, and it gets back to the trust issue. When I know that somebody is showing up for me, if I'm following somebody and they're not just in their own mirror all the time about how does this affect me, when that person asks me to run through a wall, I don't have that hesitation, which says, why? Wait a second. Now, hold on. Is this actually going to be good for my career? Or are we just trying to get you your year-end bonus? What's the story here? We ultimately trust causes us to be able to tap into the discretionary effort that everybody has. We can keep our jobs without going that extra mile. But when I'm following an inwardly sound and others-focused leader, then they're going to get the very most out of me because they're a more trustworthy person. And ultimately, that's why who you are connects to the bottom line result. God, that reminds me of that joke. I don't know if you've heard that one where the CEO pulls up to his company in a brand new Lamborghini. And one of his employees goes, God, that's a really nice Lamborghini. And he looks at me and goes, you know what? If you work really hard, I can get a new one next year. (laughs) (laughs) I have not heard that joke and I am definitely using that one. So thank you. Thank you. That is great. And by the way, that is not others focused. (laughs) No, no. But of course, that's an extreme example. But we have subtle versions of that going on all the time. And the we have got to really make sure in the leadership positions where we sit that we fight against that internally. 
Yeah, well, that's always a fine line, too, because you can be too outward focused and then you end up eroding your credibility. Tell me a little bit more what you mean when you say that. I've just seen situations where the leader wasn't a strong leader and relied on too many other people to convey decisions, but the decisions were never getting made because nobody was stepping in and actually making the decision. I would suggest in a, an example like that, that you're dealing with a leader who's lacking something in the inwardly sound category. Because ultimately, if I'm dispersing all of the responsibility of making decisions and I'm not taking that mantle, and I'm not talking about healthy delegation, I'm talking about ooh, everybody else can make the decisions and then I won't get blamed. Well, if you're following that person, I'm just going to take a guess here. I don't know for sure, but you've got a courage issue in that case. And courage is part of being a principled leader and being principled is part of being inwardly sound. So ultimately, the leaders who are others focused, I don't think you can be too others focused, but you can have deficiencies in other places that make it less effective because you're really insecure. I mean, lots of people, unfortunately, have had this oh, thing yeah. about following an insecure leader. It is one of the worst things ever. Insecure leaders ask the wrong questions every single day because they're unsure of their place on the team. So what you want is that talented, confident, capable, centered leader, all that inwardly sound stuff, plus they're not about themselves. That's why it's so rare because so oftentimes those really talented, capable people are, hey, let me get my next Lamborghini. So the, so the, the <laughs> magic mix is those two things together, inwardly sound and others focused. So if I'm building a small startup, why is this important to me? Well, it's very easy. And as somebody who has been and is building a small startup, I can speak to this not only from the research, but from personal experience. It's very easy when you're the chief cook and bottle washer to be all about the things that you're doing and not paying attention to continuing to develop who you are. There's a hundred things to do. It's 80 hours a week. There's no end in sight. And if you don't fit into that mix, paying attention to whether or not you're being inwardly sound, and it's really easy to not be others focused when you're in a small startup. And it's not this awful thing. When we talk about greed and ego, it could be that I'm just obsessed with my thing because it's my thing and it's my baby. And you miss that there are other people around you, other employees around you. Goodness knows a number of stories where in startups, people have missed the fact that they actually still had a family that was going on <laughs> in the midst of all that. And those relationships begin to crumble. So it's important that we not fool ourselves into thinking that the right strategy is all, I mean, that's the big temptation in business, I think. Strategy, strategy, strategy. If I get the perfect strategy, then everything's great. Not if that strategy is being led by somebody who's not in really sound other Yeah, you need strong execution behind it. Really what this focus down to is the inwardly sound person who is others focused naturally is trustworthy. Yes, ultimately. So there's a little exercise we do with our clients that's a lot of fun. We'll read them an email that basically says, hey, I've got a really hard job for you and I want you to take it on. It's going to be tough, but I think it's going to benefit your career. Now, pretend that this email is coming from somebody that you really do not trust. And then we ask them after they've heard the email, what's your engagement level? Then we do a second round. We change it up. But the only thing we change is now the letter's coming from a trustworthy lead. Every other word in the email is identically same. At the end of that, we ask our clients, okay, how engaged are you now? And across the board, every time we do that exercise, the engagement in the room goes up by over 200%. Huh. because trustworthy leaders get more engagement. And there's 300 studies worldwide that connect engagement to performance, no matter what culture or industry you're in. So ultimately, when we become more inwardly sound and others focused, we become more trustworthy. That leads to greater engagement, and that's why it produces a better result. There would be those who would argue a little bit, especially in some environments where you have a hunter environment, a hunting culture. 
how is that trust developed when it's something completely different than the normal kumbaya that is perceived in a trustworthiness-based culture? One of the things that we talk with people about is tell us who is the best leader you've ever had a chance to personally follow. And one of the character qualities that people talk about regularly when I ask that question is actually almost in opposite of the kumbaya thing. The leaders that we really trust are leaders who tell us the truth, even when it's a hard truth we don't want to hear. So it's like, yeah, I want the leader to care about my career and what I'm doing. People don't want to get hugs from their leaders when they should be getting a kick in the rear. Those are the leaders that we really respect. Those are the leaders that we really want to work for because, yes, they care about us, but they care enough about us to tell us the truth. And when you're not performing, you need to know. Now, they don't leave you on an island and say, hey, good luck. You figure it out. They come alongside. But time and again, when people talk talk about the best leaders they've ever followed. I hear them talking about somebody that it's not a bunch of hugs. In fact, I know some leaders that lead that way. It's a Santa Claus thing. We'll just buy everybody lunch every day and hold hands and play ping pong. And those leaders are not respected. And those leaders, they actually have a much thinner relationship with people than they think they do because all they're doing is trying to make people happy. Yep. That's not a quality, deep relationship. That's very transactional, even though it sounds nice and it's not. It's you just keep me happy and then everything will be okay. That relationship has no depth to it. And what ends up happening is when that person gets approached by another company and it's a higher offer, they bounce. And they bounce real quick, Clark. Yeah. (laughs) All right. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to help you land great hires. We're talking to Tim Spiker. He's the founder and president of the Aperio. And we're discussing, well, trustworthiness. Are you a trustworthy leader? I don't know. You're going to have to ask yourself that question. How do we build this into a company? How do we hire for trustworthiness? Where do we start? Well, it's first of all, let's just say it's hard because it's tough to suss these things out in short periods. I think of time. it's easier than you think. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, <laughs> this is the higher power broadcast. Maybe you'll explain to us. I think one of the things in the interview, and if we take kind of a behavior based interviewing perspective on this for a moment, it's a matter of what are you listening for? So if the question is, tell me about a time when you led a team to great success. Now, you're inviting that person to tell you about a contribution, something that they've done in the past, proven behavior, and how did you get there? But if somebody can tell you how they had a tremendous success in leading a team, and you don't hear anything about the team during that explanation, that should give you pause. Part of being humble is an eagerness to acknowledge other people not just make it all about yourself. Frankly, it's a matter of seeing reality. You may have made a great contribution as a leader, but there's a whole lot of other people that got you there as well. And so if I can give that answer and not talk anything meaningfully about other people's contributions, there should be a little bit of a pause. So that's just an example is when we ask behavior-based questions, listen for things that would indicate that somebody is inwardly sound or others focused in this case. There's a flip side to that too, which is sometimes you get people talking about what we did and the whole team did, and they don't talk about what they actually did because they didn't do anything. You have to make sure they were involved in it. If they were simply the stenographer. I was on the team that built X. Well, that's great. So what did you do exactly? Yeah, that's it. Tell me what your role was. I took notes. I took notes the whole time. So yeah, you do want to make sure that they played a pivotal role. But that's why that question is, tell me about a time when you led a team to a great success. And you can dig in a little bit more and hear what they had to say. Before we get into the interview process, though, let's go back a little bit. Let's say you realize that I'm not a trustworthy leader yet. Well, I'm a work in progress. Most of us are. Yes. Yeah. I need to develop my skills. I need to be aware of what 
my shortcomings are and then I need to focus on working on. Yeah. How do I build this though into my process, my company? How do I build this into my culture? The first step for any culture that you want to build is you've got to be the model. You've got to be the example. Yes. You're responsible for the culture. Now, that's a little scary in this message because does that mean, okay, I've got to be perfect? No, it's not about being perfect because nobody is. But ultimately, back what you're talking about earlier on as you're in startup mode, you've got to be consciously and intentionally working on who you are. If it's three quarters of leadership, if it's three quarters of leadership, which is what the data says, then to once a year, consider who you are is not going to be sufficient. So you've got to prioritize it. So, so doing an ayahuasca trip down to South America once a year doesn't help? <laughs> no, no, because you're not going to be leading in South America. You're going to be leading back in the office in wherever your office happens to be. Right. So in that space, you've got to be inwardly sound and others focus. There are developmental things that are event oriented. I'm not against those things. But the truth of the matter, the developmental things to take advantage of are happening every single day. It's how do I be more trustworthy on a Tuesday afternoon at 4.27 p.m.? And somebody says, well, what does that look like? It looks like a lot of different things, but I'll give you a very simple example. We talk about being curious and not just intellectually curious, but curious about other people and their ideas and their perspectives. So intellectual, yes, but also about people. Being curious is part of being others focused. But if I don't ask any follow-up questions of anybody else, if I'm not interested in the second and third order opinions of other people, if I'm basically, what's my opinion and maybe we'll have some other conversation, you've got a problem. So a very simple practice, if you want to work on becoming more others focused, is just to use a phrase that actually was taught to me by Dr. Mary Shippey. Shout out to her. Thank you. This actually changed my life, this phrase. Tell me more about that. What if you just said, in the next 90 days, I'm going to use the phrase, tell me more about that a hundred times and watch what happens. And even more so, what if you decided, okay, I'm going to go deeper than skills. I'm going to look at actually who I am. So this isn't just a skill thing. This isn't just a wording. Like I'm really looking, am I a curious person? Do I even care what anybody else thinks? So that's the depth part, but you've got to add in community and time if you want to be consistent in this. So what I mean by community is you have a couple of other leaders in your team and say, we're all going to work on this curious thing together. We're all going to be doing this. Tell me more about it thing. And we're going to get together every other week for an hour and say, hey, what was your experience with that? So the phrase of the day after you listen to this episode is tell me more about that. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people do that. Like, How's your family doing? Oh, they're doing great. Okay. Now on to the next thing. Tell me more right. about that. Oh yeah. Exactly. Well, Susie had her dance recital. You can learn so much more about a person. You know what? When you listen to your employees, when you listen to people, they just automatically become more engaged and more invested into you because you took the time to listen to them. God, I sound like psychotherapist or something. Well, frankly, <laughs> psychotherapy isn't that far away from leading well. There's some strong connections there. Yeah. We generally don't stick with these things if we don't have other people doing it with us, which is why I bring up the community part. It's not because we're all going to sit around and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's that I need the accountability of follow through. It's just like working out. You're five times more likely to work out if you're working out with somebody. You're more likely to follow through on a discipline like tell me more about that over 90 days if you know that every other week you're going to get together with somebody and say, hey, how did it go? What happened? Oh, I didn't use that phrase one time in the last two weeks. Okay, well, maybe now you should start. We need people in our life that are going to hold us accountable. When you do things in community, you get to learn from other people. They'll tell you a story about an experience they had. And now you get to learn through them. You don't have to just rely on your own experiences. So that community part we have found is really critical for doing work like this.
this. One of the things that I've learned throughout my career is that the more I talk, the less somebody trusts me. The more I listen, the more they trust me. It's really well said. That just goes to the whole point of what you're saying, which is ask questions and just listen. Just shut up. Now really listen. Yeah. Ask questions and then and like dream about and care. Yeah. And give a yeah, shit about what the person yeah. has to say. Once we've become trustworthy or we're on that path to trustworthy. By the way, it'll never end. We never arrive. We never arrive. We got to keep working on it all the time. I feel like we could be some new Buddhist monks preaching this <laughs> stuff. All right. So then we need to hire people who are trustworthy or have the potential for trustworthiness. So how do we do that? Go back to what we were talking about a little while ago. First of all, when you're doing behavior-based interviewing, it's important to listen for character qualities in there. It's important to listen, to whatever it might be. Hopefully you're going to hear some disciplines there. So there's just a variety of questions that you want to listen for that go below the surface of just strategy and tell me about the type of person I'm interacting with. I'm going to interject here really quickly because quite frankly, the quality of the questions that you ask somebody in an interview, and you mentioned behavioral questions, Amazon is the largest maniacal company about behavioral interviews, and they judge you against their corporate values. And they're arguably probably the most successful hiring company in the world today. I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. The people that you're trying to hire, they will judge you upon the quality of those questions. When we build the behavioral interview questions into your hiring process, make sure you tie those to your corporate values. That's how you build trustworthiness. That's how you understand whether or not somebody fits your company. That's part of it. As far as inwardly sound and others focused may not be one of your corporate values, but from a research standpoint, regardless of my three or four values, you also want to be listening for those two things. What's a good question that somebody can ask that would key in on whether or not somebody's inwardly sound? Like, have you ever been committed to a mental institution? That may be one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you may have recovered from that. I'm, I'm, I'm not an interviewing expert. I'm guessing that might not be a legal question to ask. So you, you yeah, that's right. It, it's not, actually. That was purely yes. for comedic. Don't Don't use that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, an example is what we talked about a moment ago. We we're saying, tell me about a time when you led a team to a really big success. And then you listen within that idea. You listen for humility. I would say, tell me about a time you actually failed. Now you get to listen for authenticity and courage. So here's an example on that one. Tell me about a time you failed. Well, you know what? Last week, I threw a piece of paper at the trash can and I missed. If somebody doesn't give you a really solid failure, then okay, it's not the end of the story, but there's some pause there. You build the question a little bit more in alignment with some of the work that they've done, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. I mean, I was yeah, I was being facetious when I said that. But I'm going to use that answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, care too much. I work too hard. All yeah. those kind of answers. Right? You tend to look for people who take ownership of the failures. That's great. Ownership is such an incredible thing around mistakes. We're coming back to humility and courage in that way. You want to hear people that are willing to do this and give answers that have some depth to that, not super thin or things that weren't that important. And I personally love the idea of giving people questions ahead of time. I know that that's outside the norm for most interviewing, but I want somebody to think through these answers. They don't know exactly what I'm looking for as I'm looking for some of these deeper character-based things around inwardly sound and others focus. And so if you say, hey, tell me about a time when you had a meaningful failure in your career. And if they're meaningful in, in what you did about it, what happened? If their meaningful failure isn't that meaningful, meaning it's not that deep, wasn't that big of a failure, then if they have that question ahead of time, they had time to think about it. If they don't have it, maybe they just didn't think of that thing in the moment. But if you give them ahead of time and they come back with a pretty thin answer that really wasn't that big of a deal, ultimately for their later on in their career, you, we all have failures. 
we all have stories to yeah. share. And if you don't have something meaningful, then again, just a little pause. That wasn't a real deep answer about meaningful failure. That's a fantastic disruptive thought. We don't feed people interview questions. Why not? Why not feed them the interview questions, let them prepare? And now you're in a situation where you get really well thought out answers. I like well, it. Well, you should. I'm right? going to start doing that. If you that. feed them the questions ahead of time and you get crappy answers, that's going to tell you something. They should have great, well thought out answers. And you know what you're looking for. I think you have to be careful. It's not a question that has the obvious answer, but tell me about a failure. Okay. We know that we're looking for a meaningful failure, not a mini one, not a little one. Yeah. I think you can send questions out in advance. I think so. What would be the last piece of this process? First, you always have to work on yourself. You've got to be the example, which means you've got to work on becoming more trustworthy. Then we're going to hire for it. Then after they're in, that shouldn't be the end of the conversation. We talk with people about what does it mean to have world-class leaders in an organization? And you cannot, cannot, cannot have world-class leaders if you're not having world-class conversations about leadership. And so the developmental train can't stop with the interview. It's got to continue. And ideally, if you're leading the enterprise, whether you're at the top or some division of it, you can be a part of this. So this can go hand in hand with you working on yourself. You invite other people in the process. This is what our leadership team is doing. This is how we're moving forward. We're paying attention to what this research says. So we're going to now integrate you into this. And this is the start of your leadership development here. You're going to be a part of it. So you've got to talk about these who-based things. Otherwise, you're missing on three quarters of leadership. Yeah, most definitely. We're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience, Tim, that they can plug into their business today? The first thing is you got to have the courage to look in the mirror. And we talked about ownership earlier. I don't care whether if we lost the big client and in your assessment, you're 2% responsible for what happened. Own your 2%. Go first in that. You got to be willing to look in the mirror and own your part of it. I think that would be the number one thing at the top of the list. Second is, and it's a little bit related to what I said a moment ago, we have to be willing to have conversations about who. It's just not that common, especially in the for-profit market space, that we're going to talk about things like being inwardly sound and others focused. And yet that's where three quarters of the activity is. So we have to be willing to have conversations about those less traditional aspects of leadership because of the enormous space that they occupy. I'll give you one last example here so people understand. How does this hit the bottom line again? Let's just take in insecurity and humility. That comes from each side, others focused and inwardly sound. When I'm insecure and I'm ego driven and we're going to have our strategy meeting and there's a couple of people on the team that are smarter than I am, I'm threatened by those people. I'm threatened by their ideas. I have seen really smart people literally removed from strategic conversations on a technicality that the insecure person in the room said, well, we didn't run this through the proper channel. No, you got to have the right people in the room to be making, engaging in strategic decisions. So just to draw it out for somebody to say, well, where does this hit the bottom line? You got to have the right people in the room making decisions and your insecurity and your ego and your lack of humility can't get in the way of that. This is just as an example. Is That's why we've got to be talking about who we've got to be talking about stuff like that if we're going to have really great organizations and be great leaders. That's a fantastic point. Tim, we're just about out of time for today's show. I want to thank you so much for your time investment today and welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the community can reach you, find you, find out more about your company? Thanks. Easiest place to find us is at the, T-H-E, onlyleaders.com theonlyleaders.com. We got a discussion guide that's coming out with the book that we're going to give free to anybody who's a part of our email list. We also have a coupon code there. If somebody puts higher power in there and if they join us for one of our journeys in 2021, 
we'll give them $500 off if that's something that's interesting to them. So Very they can, cool. They could just go do that now and they don't have to commit now, but if they decide to do it later on, they can at least have that discount locked in. Very nice. And we'll have that all tagged up in the show notes. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, this show is for you and we want to always continually make it better. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, radio radio.com or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com tune in next week our guest is going to be nicholas wyman he's the president of iwsi america i'm your host rick gerard and you have been listening to the higher power radio show aloha thank you for listening to higher power radio catch our linkedin live show every tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, itunes youtube or your favorite podcast platform We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success.